holy name, Jesus. Amen. Who's in charge in the parable? Is the soil in charge? Is the seed calling the shots? Or is it the one who's sowing the seed? The farmer, the sower. Jesus actually explains this parable, and I'm not sure if it's comforting or troubling. Because all we really need to know at the end of it is that the sower sows the seed wildly and extravagantly, and he is not concerned about waste or losing the seed. The sower in this story is not wondering how he's going to make it through the winter. He's not staring at a bag of seed that has barely enough. No, he is throwing it everywhere. Everywhere. He who has ears to hear will hear. And there is nothing really that you can do about this. And in fact, you may want to sit down this farmer, this sower, and you might want to let him know that he can't just be doing this and that he needs to start thinking strategically about this sort of thing. Because an actual farmer using these methods will be out of business very quickly. But he doesn't care. The farmer hurls the seed around The word of God, it falls where it falls, and that's how it goes. Some falls on the pavement, on the sidewalk, and gets stepped on, and the birds eat it very quickly. Some of it grows up, choked up by weeds and thorns. But then there is some that does fall down into the good soil, and it takes root And it grows, it bears fruit. The seed, the word of God, sometimes it is completely rejected. It falls upon hard hard hearts, ignored. Sometimes the word of God finds good soil, grows a bit, and then it's choked out, distracted by the riches and cares of this world. And you, you are surrounded by these thorns. When you hear this story, and we hear it every year, I think the difficulty is hearing it and thinking that we are all just good soil. Well, of course I'm the good soil, right? I mean, I'm here. We're not done yet, are you? The riches and the cares, the troubles of this world, do they have anything to do with you? You must never think that you are somehow beyond these temptations, that they just don't apply to you. You must be on guard against the devil. You have sworn, I've heard it, you have sworn that you have rejected the devil. And we don't ask you just once, but three times. Do you denounce Satan in all his works, in all his ways? We ask you this when you were baptized, and then we ask you again at your confirmation. 
This is real stuff that we're dealing with. We ask you to reject the devil simply because you will be asked to reject the devil before he snatches you away. It's the same reason why we have marriage vows, or any vows uh, for that matter. Because we know that when you are standing up here at your wedding, that you will have times of sickness and health. You will have times of richer and for poorer, and you will have good times and you will have bad times. And so sometimes you will actually have to remember and recall that once upon a time, no matter how long ago, you did stand in front of all these people and God, and you pledged yourself to your husband and to your wife. That's the point of a vow. That's the point of an oath. You don't just throw them away. You remember them. You keep them. You, you have pledged yourself against Satan and all his works in all his ways. And you have done this because you have died with Christ and you are raised with Christ in your holy baptism and you will receive his resurrection on the last day and you will be called to resist Satan throughout your whole entire life. And you won't always see him coming. So you must be on guard all the time. Or do you think that you are immune to temptation? You're not. I know you're not. I have seen many people fall who assumed that they were good enough, who assumed that they didn't need the word any longer. How many are there who have explicitly given in to temptation? Temptation that is enough to rob them of the life that is given to them by Jesus Christ the one who has sown the word of life right into your very heart? How many are there among us who, who tend to think that particular rules, commandments, they don't, they don't apply? Satan prowls. This is real. And Satan will give you any excuse that you need in order to feel good about yourself. And you will trick yourself into doing something that you know is sinful. Do you have persistent, habitual sin to which you are absolutely religiously devoted? The word of God is being sown around you being planted all around you, continually being thrown down from the mouth of the Lord himself like a rain shower. And do you sit sheltering yourself from it? Are you hiding from Christ in his word? It's not hard to find. It's like literally everywhere. Because the strange thing about the past year is that the preaching of the word has been broadcast around the globe like I think never before. And I don't know what will come of this. I mean, in the long run, who knows? Will these seeds that are planted grow? Will they bear any fruit? Some will, for sure. Will they be ignored? We all know that the Bible sells more copies than any other book that has ever been published. 
I don't know if they're all red, but they're all sold and people give them to each other. And sales picked up last year. It's kind of crazy. People are like, well, I don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe I'll turn to something that actually will give me life. Will these seeds actually take root and grow? Will they bear any fruit? I don't know. <laughs> Neither do you. And that's okay. Because we are not given to know the inner mechanics or the engineering behind salvation and how it works. Only that the Lord does work it. So last week we heard that the first are last. The last are first. Everyone who is called to work is rewarded equally. And now this message is being broadcast throughout all creation by a God who will not give up on us. He is relentless. And he simply does not seem to care about our theories of economics and how much things are worth. It's fantastic. Anytime you try and talk about economics of funding some sort of mission project, they don't work out. It's never economically feasible. And yet, here we are. For Christ has conquered death, and everyone is going to know about it. Sins are being forgiven, and everyone is going to hear about it. But you are forgiven. You have heard. Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And not one person on the face of the earth is going to be ignorant of this. You are not in control. You're not in control of your salvation. And yet you are given this great gift that grows and that flourishes and we don't even understand how it works. But it will bring you so much. And yes, you are also worried about this. You're worried about some people who seem to be bad soil. Maybe you know people whose hearts seem too hard. Maybe you know people whose thorns are growing up all around them. People who used to be here with us, or your friends, or your family. And it may seem that they are being choked by the cares of this world, and they are. But the sower never stops sowing. The Lord never stops sending the word. And he will find his way even into the hardest heart and the rockiest soil and send roots down into it. And he will do what he will. And at the end of the day, you may rest that the word of the Lord has come into your ears and bears fruit and that you are being nurtured and fed and cared for by the farmer, by this Lord, who knows exactly what he is doing, even if we do not. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.